Hi, and welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, music, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. We are living in an unprecedented and challenging time, but we invite you to listen in and be encouraged as we fight through this together. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. Lauren said tonight is going to be on emotional wellness during troubled times. And my part of it's going to be from a spiritual perspective. And then Anne will follow suit with emotional wellness from slightly more of a clinical perspective, self-care and strategies, practicals. So clearly the times right now are stressful. The stress is overwhelming for most of us between COVID-19 and the pandemic, the years of social and racial injustice, which are now surfacing to greater awareness, the anger, the underlying anger, the underlying fears that almost all of us feel for one thing or another right now, the unemployment and recession that is hitting our economy, and the most recent, the school uncertainty, the uncertainty of school, for children mm. and the impact on families. Mm-hmm. Stressful, stressful experiences, incidents, mm-hmm. all happening at the same time. So how do we navigate? How do we navigate our emotions in a spiritual way? Because we have faith, right? So we have faith, we believe in God. We have the power of his Holy Spirit and we have his word to instruct us how gifted we are. Florence was right. We are privileged and gifted to have these tools because all of our neighbors and friends around us and relatives that do not know God and have his word do do not have these amazing tools of the Holy Spirit and the word of God and our fellowship. So during this time when we can feel out of control because the COVID-19 pandemic is out of control, we do not have control of that where we might feel no control over the years of social injustice that that has happened, or we may feel some loss of control during the recent, more recent recession and rising unemployment. We need to be inspired and grounded in the word of God and God's truths. Anxiety is unrest. Anxiety is a mind not at rest. So when we feel anxious, we can have difficulty sleeping, difficulty concentrating, But anxiety is also a heart not at rest, where our hearts are not at rest. And we can feel bitterness or negativity or fear, uncertainty. And then of course, it's when a soul is unrest, having a disturbance or an agitation, being at odds with God. Anxiety affects us on all those levels. It affects us mentally, emotionally in our hearts and spiritually. You know, there's a great scripture that in Proverbs that says, a heart at peace gives life to the body. God speaks often about having uh, a peace, right? And how, we can, and how we can have that through him. Stress is an enemy. It weakens us. It weakens our minds to negative thoughts and fears. It weakens our bodies to illnesses. And it weakens, weakens our soul to sin. We all, I imagine, but I do really believe, we all seek inner peace. 
no matter what the outward circumstances are in our lives. We all seek inner peace, no matter what the outward chaos is around us and in our lives. So when we look at Philippians 4, which I won't go into, but you all know it, there's a number of scriptures in Philippians 4 on God's promise of peace, right? And the peace of God will be, that transcends all understanding will be, among, will be upon us. And the God of peace will be with you. And those scriptures in Philippians 4 talk about when we trust in God, when we hand our concerns, our worries over to God, to know that the Lord is near and to not be anxious. But the scripture tonight that I want us to just look at for a moment is Isaiah, Isaiah 26, 3. And I'll read it to you. In Isaiah, it says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. And what I love about this scripture is that God promises us, God promises us inner peace if we follow his word, trust in him. And what I think is so important is it says, you will keep in perfect peace. The scripture is saying, God will keep us in perfect peace. It's, it reminds me of Psalm 23. Well, Ken and I were talking about this one day and she was pointing out that in Psalm 23, it says, he leads us, he will restore us. He makes us lie down in green pastures. It's a reliance on God, sisters, we cannot get ourselves to an inner peace. It is God leading us to an inner peace. It is God providing us with an inner peace when we do as his word instructs. So we're gonna look at a woman today in the Old Testament who was stirred to unrest and how she handles it. So if you would please turn to 1 Samuel 25. We're gonna look at Abigail. <laughs> Now, many of you have taught on Abigail, have shared on Abigail. We've had many lessons on Abigail. She's, she's a favorite amongst us, uh, and for many good reasons, because there's so much in this, this story. There's a wealth that we can learn as women from the story of Abigail and her character and her behavior. So I'm going to have one point, and it's going to be that we train ourselves to be responder, not a reactor training ourselves to be a responder to our emotions and not a reactor of our emotions or a reactor from our emotions. It always reminds me of like nuclear reactor, right? Going off. <laughs> so when we look at Abigail, we're gonna, see what, we're gonna see how she handles unrest. So I will read, I will do a little bit of a shortened version of it because it's a really long scripture and um, Ben and I talked about being very cognizant of our time. So in 1 Samuel 25, we see that David and his men, David and hundreds of men of his warriors are camping out in the fields of pastures of Nabal, who is a very wealthy property owner. And David and his men have been there for a while and they have respected Nabal's property. They have looked out for um, the shepherds that Nabal has in the fields. And a, and a time comes in this part of the scripture where David sends men to, the, to Nabal and says, we have been here, we've respected you, I wish you good life. However, can you send us some provisions? In fact, he says, um, be favorable toward my men since we have come the best of time and please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. 
Well, as we know, when Nabal gets this message, he says, and I'll read from scripture, it's um, verse 10. Nabal answers David's servants, who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their master these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered from my sharers and give it to men coming from who knows where? Hence, Nabal is pretty disrespectful, offensive toward David. David's men turn around and went back. When they arrive, they report every word. David says to his men, each of you strap on your sword. So they did. David strapped on his as well. And 400 men go up with David while 200 stay with the supplies. One of the servants tells Abigail, Nabal's wife, David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our master his greetings, but he hurled insults at them. Interesting, right? A side note, we can all relate to this with what's going on with a lot of the awareness around the social injustices. They, yet these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us. And the whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. Night and day, they were a wall around us the whole time we were herding our sheep near them. Now think it over and see what you can do because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He's a wicked man and no one can talk to him. So in verse 18, we see what Abigail does. And what we see she does is that she responds rather than reacts. She uses a tremendous amount of self-control because it would, be very in, it would be very easy right now for most of us having heard what she just heard to go off on our husbands, right? Or on the, the man, whoever it might be, filled with fear, filled with anger, filled with outrage and upset and tell him the, the, and blame him for the mess he's created, the problem he's bringing upon his people. Does Abigail do that? No. In verse 18, she acts quickly, she responds, but she responds with great humility. She takes 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, and then it goes on to the other foods that she provides. And she tells her servants, go on ahead. I will follow you. And she does not tell Nabal. As she's riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, there were David and his men descending toward her. She meets them. David had just said, it's been useless all my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing of his was missing. He paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey, bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention, my Lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. And then she goes on to really ask David, you know, for his grace, for his consideration, that she take the responsibility for what her husband did and that, and that David welcome the provisions that she brings him. Abigail is an example of how to respond with humility by meeting David at his feet, taking responsibility and bringing him what he asked for. She responds with grace by validating his wound and then healing his wound 
even though she didn't cause it. Her responsiveness of humility and grace is such an example for us. There are many times when, when we might be in a situation of upset or outrage or even offense, and it can be easily to get reactive, to be defensive. She could have she could have blamed her husband. She could have gone off on her husband. She could have hid in that comfy home. He's a wealthy property owner, Nabal. She probably had enough property she could have hid. She could have gone off on her own and left him there and gone off on her own for safety. But she responds with the humility to correct the situation. She responds with the humility to go to David's feet, take on, take on the responsibility and ask him to consider another path, another, another way to act other than to do away with Nabal and all of his men. She hears David's wound. She knows David's been wounded, right? David is a mighty warrior. He's been disrespected by Nabal. He's been dismissed by Nabal. And David's wounded, which is why he's reacting, right? He gets all his men, he's gonna go take all their, off their heads. But she hears his wound, she validates it, and then she heals it, she corrects it. She offers an experience, even though she didn't create the problem, she offers an experience where, where it can be remedied. And what do we see happen? So if we skip to verse, we go down, David accepts it. David accepts her provisions, he accepts her, um, he accepts her plea for mercy. And David says to her, he accepts from her hand in verse 35, what she brought to him. And he says to her, go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. What I see in this scripture is when I respond to my upset emotions, my angry emotions, my when I can feel that whether it's mistreated or offended or whatever, when I respond with humility and graciousness, peace comes, peace will come. It's an inner peace. And it comes because God does the rest of the work. As we know the story, Nabal, she ends up going home and Nabal drops dead like 10 days later, God takes Nabal's life. And we know that Abigail becomes one of the wives of, of David. And sisters, I think training ourselves with self-control. Self-control is what it means to respond and not react. Self-control is a fruit of God's spirit. God values self-control. He talks about it in Titus 2, that you know, grace gives us the power to say no to ungodliness and to live self-controlled lives. In 1 Peter, it talks about be self-controlled and alert against the devil's schemes. And here we see that self-control by a woman in light of an upsetting and outrageous situation, brings peace to her household. She brings peace to her own household. When she didn't cause the upset, but she was able to respond with humility and grace, even though she wasn't to blame, she took on it. That's a high calling. And so I close, sister, with, with, with sharing with you that this is what I'm working on. I'm working on in my daily life, whether it's one of my adult kids who might say something or do something that can cause me a little stirring of unrest or a neighbor or someone at work or even a brother or sister. I'm checking my thoughts. 
I'm checking my mind, I'm checking my heart, and I'm saying, am I responding with graciousness? Am I responding with grace? Am I responding in a way that would please God? I think the call to be a peacemaker is something that when we, when we practice self-control, our emotions become tamed. We feel more of the inner peace that God so desires for us. And now Anne is going to um, come on and give us some of the practical and clinical strategies for self-care and, um, and managing emotions. Um, what is self-care? And self-care is anything that we deliberately do to care for ourselves emotionally, physically, and mentally, right? Um, why is that important? It helps with what we, and what we say is emotional regulation, which is when we're stressed or anything bad happens, if we have good, good self-care, we're better able to handle it. Um, self-care looks very different for each one of us. Why? Because God, in all his creativity, made us all very different. I love Psalm 139, and I'm going to read it. I'm going to read 139, 13 through 15. And it says, For you created my innermost beings. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. I love that scripture. It speaks to, speaks to the fact that God formed us lovingly and intentionally. That nothing's, nothing about us is a mistake. So even though we are culturally different, and we're obviously different races, come from different places, he made us different also in a million other small ways. Some people are introverts, some people are extroverts, right? Um, some people, like myself, I'm what you call an omnivert. <laughs> um, for an introvert, self-care may mean time by themselves to recharge. With all the unrest and everything happening around us, someone who's an introvert might pull back and pull away because it feels overwhelming for them and their system needs to be recharged. For someone who's an extrovert, it may mean connecting. They need to connect with everybody. They need to call friends. Tell me what you think about it. Why do you think this? And it involves lots of conversation because for them, connecting is recharging. For someone like myself, who's a little bit of both, it can depend on my stress level. If I am very stressed, I pull away. I call it cave dwelling. I go into my cave because I need to recover. Um, when I'm less stressed, I can be very extroverted, right? So self-care looks very different depending on how God made us. And it is so important to understand, especially as Christians who understand 
God forming us together. Um, it's very important to understand, acknowledge, and accept these differences in each other. Accept that someone else's self-care looks different than yours. I love the scripture in Matthew 7, 1 to 5. It's a very challenging scripture. It says, do not judge or you will be judged. Accept one another. Love one another the way God loves you. Um, we often talk about, as Christian, the importance of practicing the spiritual disciplines, right? Reading our Bible every day, praying, fasting, or just some of the spiritual disciplines that, to name a few, that we need to practice. In order to have good self-care, good emotional care, we need to also practice some of the mental health disciplines, right? So what does that mean? Well, if you go to a support group, what they say is you have to work your program. That's their version of it. You got to work your program. <laughs> um, so spiritually, working your program means you read your Bible and you pray every single day. Mentally, to work your program, what does that mean? It means um, a few things. And I have an acronym that I use for myself and I, I give it to clients to help, help us to remember how to like work your program every single day, okay? Um, so it's called STRONG and the S is for sleep. Gotta get enough sleep. This for me is particularly difficult. I am premenopausal. My sleep is constantly interrupted. I have to find a nap in the middle of the day. So important to get enough sleep. T, if you're prescribed medication or whatever, take your medication. When you don't take your medication, your mood can go up and down. You start feeling sick again. Take your medication as prescribed. The R, resist the urge to overindulge in any one thing. It is so easy during this time when we're at home to overindulge. A glass of wine every night or two, too much TV, a lot of TV, you're on the computer all day, on social media all day, getting lost in a book all day. That would be my version of overindulgence. I love to read. I can get lost in a book for a day or two straight. Overindulgence. Gardening. <laughs> I can be in my garden all day. I have to, my husband calls himself a widow. I have to pull myself out the garden. Okay? Resist that urge. The O. Once a day, do something you enjoy. Go for a walk. Go for a run. Listen to a song. Dance. I'll tell you mine. Once a day, I find my husband wherever he is, and I go give him a kiss. That's mine. Once a day, that's what I want to do. That makes me happy. N, nutrition. Don't overeat. Don't undereat. Some people are just not eating. 
or they're eating too much, they're skipping meals, or they are indulging in lots of things, indulging in sweets, oh, the craving for sweets, it makes us feel good initially, it gives us a rise in our emotion. Try to resist um, and don't overeat. Practice good nutrition. And the G is to get exercise, okay, strong. Someone asking for the, what the O is for, once daily, do something you enjoy. Okay, that's what the O is for. Once daily, do something you enjoy. These are the mental health disciplines. They're just as important, very important. Just like you practice the spiritual disciplines, you need to practice the mental health disciplines. Now, people say to me, but Anne-Marie, how can I do this? I don't have time. I'm raising the kids. I have to cook, clean, <laughs> um, lots of different things. And the answer I say is this. I want you to think about the advice that they give you on a plane. What do they say? When experiencing the loss of cabin pressure, put your mask on first before helping others. That's what they say on the plane, right? You have limited oxygen. If you don't put your mask on, you are going to die. You're gonna pass out and you're going to die. Then you can't help anyone, okay? So spiritually and for our mental health, what does it mean to put our mask on first? So spiritually, we talk about reading and praying, fasting. There are seven spiritual disciplines, but those are the most popular, right? So we practice those, but mental health is what we were talking about with the strong principles. We get energy from sleeping, eating, and exercise, period, right? Poor sleep and poor eating causes irritability, period and it reduces effectiveness. And it causes just a host of other issues, but definitely you're irritable and definitely it causes moodiness. And then let's combine that with when we have our cycle <laughs> and we don't sleep and we're not eating. Oof, right? Very important. Uh, look at Jesus. This is one of my favorite um, people to look at when we're thinking about self-care. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. I love that. He's such a great example of self-care. He went and he prayed. He connected with God. Then he was ready to go to the cross. Then he was ready to take care of us. But before he went and he got what he needed, connection with God. Let's look at his example of self-care and imitate that in our lives every day. So remember, stay strong and put your mask on, okay? So I'm gonna um, talk about another piece of it. Another mental health discipline that is so good is meditation. It is one that I have been practicing daily since the pandemic and it's increased. 
Meditation is the act of uh, um, resetting our minds, right? And consciously controlling our thoughts, right? So it, it goes along with what Cheryl was talking about, self-control. So when we meditate, we can control our thoughts. Our negative thoughts can spiral out of control. And when it does, our negative thinking, it reinforces our experiences if they were negative and reinforces those negative thoughts. Okay, so our thinking starts spiraling and we start thinking about going over and over in, 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 in the, in, um, in the um, therapy, we call it rumination. You just go over and over and over and over something in your mind. And then she said this, and then this happened, and then he went out there, and then over and over and over and over. And you start spiraling out of control. And then anything else that happens, it reinforces that negative experience and that negative thought. So the Bible speaks a lot about meditation as a tool of self-care. I'll give you some scriptures that you can go back and look for time's sake. Psalm 1914, Psalm 104, 34, Philippians 4, 8, Psalm 63, 6. Great tools to look at for self-care. Spend some time reading that. One of my favorite is Luke 12, 24 to 27. It says, consider, consider or meditate on, be mindful of the ravens. They need to sow or reap, but God feeds them. God is asking us to be in the moment, to draw our mind back in the moment. When we start thinking, oh no, what's gonna happen tomorrow? And then what's gonna happen next week? God says, no, consider, meditate on, be mindful of the ravens. Pull your mind back to the present. Don't let it spiral out of control into negative thinking. Remember them. Remember, I take care of them and I will also take care of you, right? So that is my personal favorite that really helps me to pull my mind up back. But there are tons of scriptures on meditation. So I would encourage you to go back through and do an exhaustive study on it. And you will see that Jesus meditated and that God encourages us even in the Psalm to meditate. Now there are lots of other different ways to calm our minds. I mentioned meditation, some others I'm gonna go through really quickly. Walking, and running outside or going to someplace beautiful. What it does when you do that is it takes, when, when you are outside, your mind takes on the calm of your environment. So if you're in someplace beautiful or calming, your mind takes on that calm in the environment. It's a wonderful way to calm yourself and to have some good self-care. Um, Another thing uh, um, that we can do to help is put our negative self-talk in check. We all have it, whether we acknowledge it or not. Uh, so it's important to acknowledge them and replace it. Acknowledge the thought and replace it. Because I'll tell you something that happens that the mind does. If you have some negative thoughts, self-talk, and you don't like, no, I'm not going to think about it. Your mind will think about it. No, I don't want, I shouldn't think that. Your mind will think about it. 
So acknowledge it and then put it in check. Replace it with positive self-talk. Replace it with positive self-talk. Remind yourself that everyone has insecurities and negative feelings. What Satan will do is tell you you're the only one. I'm the only one that thinks this way. I'm the only one that hated that. I'm the only one that doesn't like this about myself. Not true. Every person in the world on the planet Earth has insecurities and negative feelings. They come and they go. They come and they go. For some people, they stay longer. For some of us, it's just like, oh, I, should, I shouldn't have thought that. Come and they go. Acknowledge them and then change them. Practice radical acceptance. So what do I mean by that? So when bad things are happening, you, you almost have to stand back and say, okay, these things are happening and it's out of my control. It is what it is. You have to say that to yourself. I was um, listening to Michelle Obama speak, um, speak the other day, and she said, it is what it is. And I thought, oh, she went to therapy. Because <laughs> that is very much a therapy phrase. It is what it is. That's called radical acceptance. You cannot control it. Without radical acceptance, what happens for us is we feel vulnerable and helpless. Like, there's nothing I control. Our mind goes to the extreme. There's nothing I control. I can control. Everything is uh, wrong with the world, and we start spiraling again. So just say out loud, there are things, these things are out of my control. It is what it is. Without radical acceptance, we have poor sleep, poor eating, and again, it's kind of what we talked about. Poor sleep, poor eating leads to irritability and racing thoughts. You can't shut off the mind. Um, one exercise um, that can help with radical acceptance, um, because it happens for most people late at night. They get busy during the day and they don't have time to think and they're like, they push things aside, but then the night comes and you're relaxing and you cannot shut off that mind. Everything that you didn't want to think about comes flooding back as you lay your head on the pillow. One of the things you can do um, is get a, get a, you can do it on sticky pads or you can get a book and you just write everything out that's in your mind, right? Write down all your worries. I'm worried about school, I'm worried about racial injustice, I'm worried about a presidential election, I'm worried about my marriage, my kids, my dog, my cat, whatever. It doesn't matter. Nothing is too big, no, nothing is too small. Nothing is too silly. Write it all down, get it out of your mind. Then I want you to put it in two categories. What you can control and what you cannot control. Okay, so those are two categories that you're going to put it in. And when on the, on the things that you cannot control, we're going to go back 
to radical acceptance, which is, it is what it is. <laughs> I cannot control that. And that will help so much to manage, and it will help so much with self-care and help with sleep. Okay? Now, on a side note, as a, just as a gentle reminder, there are some people that meditation will alone will not work, just does not. And they need medication to help them to manage those thoughts and feeling. I implore you sisters, do not be ashamed. When I, when I first talked at the beginning of the talk, I said, God made us all different. Some of our systems are much more sensitive than others. Some people can watch the news and it bothers them not. They can go about their day and it doesn't bother them. Some people, if they watch the news, they become anxious and crippled and they just cannot function. Everyone is different. It's about our history, our genetic makeup, whatever. And so some people will need medication to help them to manage. Feel no shame. Go back to what we talk about um, with the strong principles. Take your medication, practice the T, take your medication as prescribed and feel blessed. Feel blessed that you are allowed to live in a time that God chose this for you. He chose for you to live in a time where you have access to medication, to skills. Remember the women of old, the women who were before us, who did not have access. God chose a different life for them. So as we move forward, let's remember to practice not just the spiritual disciplines, which just, it's our foundation, but the mental health disciplines, which is so very important. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.